Andrew. As Andrew comes up, I want to pray for him as he brings God's word to, to, to us. Lord, thank you for Andrew. Thank you for what he prepared this week and pray that as he speaks now, the words he speaks will be words that come from you, that will touch our hearts, that will challenge us, convict us and encourage us. Just fill him with your spirit that the words he says are your words to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Goodness. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, if we can have that first PowerPoint slide up, that would be great. So, uh, a short reading, um, an amazing account, and what I'd like us to do is just to cover that uh, short account with three uh, key headings. Jesus shows, shows us that God Jesus acts without being asked, and Jesus' compassion made real. And we'll, just, we'll use those as, to, uh, to take us through this passage this morning. Let's just remind ourselves of what, what was going on here. Yeah. So this all happened in the place called Nain, and if you can see it on the map there, it's just uh, southeast of Nazareth. And uh, here was a widow um, who lost her only son. We're not, we sometimes, just because it's sunny, you may assume that. It was a young person, but it may have been somebody, uh, as this picture suggests, that was in adulthood. And uh, here is the beer. It, I don't know whether we had it in our reading, but some Bibles use the word beer, B-I-E-R, which is the sort of the, the stretcher that the dead person would have been taken on. So they would have been taken them to somewhere to bury the body and would have probably done that quite quickly after, after the death of that person. And uh, there would have been the mourners, the family, the friends that would have gone with them um, to show their respect uh, and to mourn the death of this, this person. And uh, as they're going along, we read that Jesus sees the woman and his heart goes out to her and he goes up to the stretcher and uh, he touches the stretcher and we see and we read that the dead person um, actually comes back to life. So a, a, a sort of a short account of something that's pretty spectacular. So let's go through uh, those three points. And the first one, which I said was, was to think a little bit about the fact that Jesus shows us a God promise. We have a new Prime Minister and uh, whether you think he's, well, I'm sure there are lots and lots of thoughts. We won't go with this. There'll be a range of thoughts. Whether you think he's an idiot from Eton or someone who's going to be the next great Churchill or somewhere in between, um, he is our Prime Minister and rightly so we should be praying for him and the government. Boris himself has said this of his when asked about whether he had a faith in God. I suppose my own faith, you know, is a bit like trying to get Virgin Radio when you're driving through the Chilterns. It sort of comes and goes. I mean, sometimes the single is strong, and then sometimes I'm afraid it vanishes, and then it comes back again. Let's pray that it keeps coming back to Boris. There are lots of Christian organisations that have already jumped on some of the promises, and he's made lots of them, some of the promises that he's made very early on, and actually leading up to him being appointed as the Prime Minister. One of the things that he talked about was about poverty. And Trust Will Trust, which is a Christian food bank, which is up in the northwest, said this, during the leadership campaign, Boris Johnson, Johnson told us the poorest come first. As our Prime Minister, he now has an opportunity to put those words into action. 
and create a new vision for our country, one that unlocks people from poverty and protects us from needing a food bank. That's one promise that Boris and his government have already made. Another one, um, he talked about protecting the rights, the religious freedom rights of people. And Open Doors have come back already and said, um, Open Doors from UK and Ireland, the CEO, Henrietta, said, I'm delighted that Boris Johnson said that he would prioritise protecting religious freedoms as Prime Minister and that he would stand up for those facing persecution. I look forward to seeing quick action to deliver greater protection for religious minorities. Now, it's always risky business for any politician to make promises. We have had many governments in the past that have made uh, striding promises about what they're going to do, uh, only to find out that it's been too expensive or it hasn't happened. Um, many, many political parties have all said that. But he's stood up and said that in the first few days, and people will be watching him and his government very closely to see whether or not he does actually put the poor first and prioritise the religious freedoms of those in other countries, but also in this country. Also in this country. Well, when we come to the account that we've just looked at, we need to realise that what Jesus was showing in his life when he was here on earth, he was fulfilling the prophecy or the promise of God. And we can find that out by just, if you've got a Bible open, you might want to look at this verse, just going down the chapter a little bit to verse 20 to 22. Because just after these two accounts, Luke writes this, When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? We read in our reading, didn't we, that they thought, some of them thought that a prophet had come. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And what Jesus was doing when he used those words, he was talking about the prophecy of Isaiah. He was actually directly quoting from that prophecy, a promise from God given to God's people through the prophet Isaiah. And we can read that if we dig back into the Old Testament. Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the leap, lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And in Isaiah 26, but your dead will live, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. So Jesus, in what he was doing, was bringing a promise from God to reality. He was actually making it happen when he was here on earth. Because as we read, Jesus says, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. When God makes a promise, he sticks to it. So, the second thing that I wanted us just to pick out was that Jesus acts without being asked. If you'd read the first seven, you'd read about the centurion servant. And it's a very different sort of account. Um, there are some people that go to Jesus first of all, and then Jesus talks to the centurion. The centurion begs Jesus, in a sense, to do, to do what he feels that he knows that he can do. And all of that happened. And then Jesus led, that led Jesus to another healing, a miraculous healing. But on this occasion, the mother, the widow, she didn't ask Jesus to come along and do that. The people that were around there didn't ask Jesus to turn up and do that. He just did. He just did. And I think Luke must have written that almost in stark contrast. Here is Jesus that doesn't need sometimes to be asked, because he loves us so much, he does them. Jesus acts without being asked, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry, don't cry. Can you imagine that here was a woman who'd lost already a widow, lost her only son. And suddenly this stranger just comes up and says, actually, don't cry. Don't cry. And then goes on to heal and to raise his, her son from the dead. And as Christians, we too need to show compassion sometimes without being asked. Sometimes it freaks Trace out if I've made her a cup of tea because um, she hasn't asked it and I sort of take her a cup of tea and she says, well, what's this all about? Um, happen very often. But, you know, we sometimes do something and you sort, of, you sort of freak people out a little bit. Um, sometimes I think about things like street parcels. It, it does sort of freak people out a little bit. But somebody would be mad enough, especially last night for our Jan was out in the rain, to go walking in the rain and to help people, not because... They've been, someone's asked for help, but just because there's a level of compassion about Just like Jesus didn't need to be asked. You know, there is such a needy world uh, that we live in that we need to go out and show compassion to people without being asked to. I love that quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. Paul writes in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Jesus just turned up. He healed that widow's son. She didn't ask him to. His compassion drove him to do what he did. And then the last point. Jesus' compassion made real. Strange when you read that verse. If you keep reading it, and I, I didn't recognise this until someone, um, I, I was reading a commentary about it. 
the dead man sat up. Well, actually, presumably he wasn't dead when he sat up. Um, and some people say, well, that's just Luke making the point, you know, that he was dead. He was definitely dead. He wasn't sort of, you know, just unconscious or whatever. He was definitely dead. And this man sat up. And then we have this beautiful expression and that it says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, I think the woman must have been completely, completely surprised at Jesus turning up. Absolutely, completely overwhelmed at what had happened. I mean, it must have been absolutely astonishing. And I'm not quite sure what all the other people thought as well. The reference to the prophet, again, is, is, a, is a really interesting one. Because if we dig back into our Old Testament, we can read that Elijah, who was a really important prophet uh, to Jews, actually did the same sort of thing. Uh, he went to... Uh, do you remember the widow who um, he had, you know, a little old lady with, what's that song? The ravens, we flap, 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 first down to the river, and so on. If you don't know that song, you probably just... Thank you, Trace. <laughs> I do miss you being in the room when I'm speaking. You are, you are right. And that, she had a son, and her son died. And it says, The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. There's another account of Elisha doing the same thing. So it, and people really, really strongly believed that Elijah was due to come back. And many people in those times would have mistaken Jesus thinking that he was Elijah who <coughs> returned. And you might think, well, why, why would he return? Well, actually, if you read about when Elijah went up to heaven, Elijah was walking with Elisha, who was one of his, uh, one in his little gang, and, and suddenly he went up to heaven, we read in the Bible, on a chariot. And Jesus would have believed that he wouldn't have died. He just went up to heaven, so they were waiting for him to come back. And Elijah did those amazing things when he was here on earth through God's power, like healing people. And so people would have been thinking, well, we know the stories of Elijah. We, know, we remember when Elijah went into that widow's house and raised that boy from the, the dead and gave him back to, her, to the mother. This must be Elijah. He's come back. He's come back. And Jesus often had to, said once, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. It must be Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so, when these people saw this happening, you can understand that some of them must have thought, it's Elijah and he's back and he's done the same thing again. Isn't this amazing? Because they didn't realise that this stranger that had just turned up was actually Jesus. And that um, giving him back to his mother, I think, is beautiful. One commentator said, you know, when, when someone is risen from the dead, it says those resurrected from the dead belong no longer to this world, but to the Lord of life. And Jesus made this statement that not only did he raise this boy from the dead, this man from the dead, but he gave him back 
he gave him back to his mother. So it's understandable, isn't it, that they all probably went a bit crazy then. Wow, isn't this absolutely amazing? And I could imagine there would have been people that thinking, well, is he really dead still? Or is he not dead? Is he really alive? And we read in the account that they were filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared. Some of them probably thinking it was Elijah. Among us they said, God has come to help us people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country, which suggests that they got it in the end. And what's really interesting about this short account, and I want to just finish on this, is that um, I sort of, when, I, when I'm speaking, I have to, and I'm up and down in the train, I have to sort of sit there and read it again and again and again. And the more I read about it, and it's really interesting, because in our Bibles, when you read this bit in the Bible, the, the heading, which obviously isn't what Luke decided to put, says, Jesus raises a widow's son. And as I thought about it more and more and more, I thought to myself, I'm not really sure that the raising of the son is the critical point in this story, in this account. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But actually, is it the thing that we should take away from this? Because we know that Jesus performed miracles was here on earth. He did that as we heard because he wanted to fulfil prophecy. That he wanted to show people that the Saviour, the King of Salvation, the Day of Salvation, which is what Isaiah talks about as well, had come and he would raise people from life, to, from death back to life. It was amazing. He wanted to show them that power. But you know, sometimes we live in a world where, let's be honest, that doesn't happen. Maybe that does happen sometimes, but it doesn't happen every day. And if we cling to just that fact that Jesus raised this boy from the dead, how does that help us when we go back to work tomorrow, when we start our, or continue our week tomorrow? And actually, you know what, if I was writing this down and thinking of the heading for this passage. I'm not sure I would now write Jesus raises a widow's son. I think what I would write was that Jesus shows his compassion. Because you see, we could go away from this morning and just remember that that son was raised from death. And of course we should remember that because that's God showing us, Jesus showing his power. But more, and this is how I've taken this passage as I've pondered over it over the week, more powerful is that the Son of God, Jesus, the creator of the universe, the king of all kings, saw that widow and had compassion on her. We know, don't we, that women in those days were not treated as well as men, they were second class citizens. We know that Jesus often said to the Jews, Do you know what, you, you take advantage of widows because they used to you know, not treat them very well. And the Bible keeps reminding us to treat widows uh, really well. Jesus' heart went out to somebody who he knew and saw and loved and had compassion for. 
And he does the same for us. Now that makes my Monday feel very different. That God the Creator, that Jesus my personal Saviour, looks down on me now and looks down on you and his heart goes out to you. The compassion of our Saviour flows into your life. And so whatever rubbish you've got coming this week, whatever dullness or boring or whatever exciting things you've got coming this week, the compassion of Jesus will make it real and make it better. When, he saw, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And Jesus wants to talk to us in the same way. He has the same compassion for us. Psalm 145 puts it like this. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Let's pray, shall Jesus, amazing, an amazing, amazing miracle to raise that man to life. We thank you for the power uh, of God. We thank you that um, you have power over death. But Jesus, we also want to thank you that you did that because your heart went out full of compassion for that woman. And as we lead our lives over this next week, when things feel really tough, when we're feeling lonely, when we're feeling like we need a bit more of something to get us through, help us to remember that you are there looking down on us and your heart, your compassion, flows out to us because you love us. And as we recognise that and realise that, Lord, we pray also that we too